Hello, you're listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast. Whether you're at work, driving in your car, or getting your workout on, we hope and pray that what you hear today will fill your spirit. Come, join us as we walk through God's Word together. For a few brief moments this morning, I want to talk about Am I Withholding Honor? And I'm going to use two texts uh, for this morning. One is more of a background text, 1 Timothy 5 and 17. So you can flip to 1 Timothy 5 and 17, put your finger there. And then the other text, which will be more of the foundational text for the sermon, is going to be Mark chapter 6, verses 1 through 5. So 1 Timothy 5, 17, kind of as a foundational or background scripture. And then the foundation scripture upon which the text the sermon will be preached. This is going to be Mark, Mark 6, 1 through 5. <clears throat> uh, give you a few moments to flip there and get there. Let me just, while uh, you're doing that, let me just go ahead and just start on, a little bit on my introduction. It is, should not be lost on any of us, uh, unfortunately and sadly, that there is a rising case or, or rising occurrence and trend of depression, of isolation, of sadly even suicide amongst pastors. Think about that now. Those who have been called to declare the good news of Jesus Christ to their local body, to their communities, whatever the, wherever God may have them, the ones who are carriers of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and how it sets free the captives and how it brings liberty to those that are in bondage and slave and it enriches those who may be poor in spirit are ones who are suffering from depression, hmm. suicide even, isolation. Folks who have been called are saying, I just quit. I just can't do this anymore. And there's all kinds of reasons that lead into that. And look, separate out those where there may be some type of, of a personal moral failing and they step away from the calling from that perspective. But in a lot of cases, they talk about, right, being in a place where, yeah, they're, they're among the people, but they're not of the people, right? They're connected, but they're not connected, they, 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 they stand in a place to, to deliver and to share, but then the question is always, then who pours back into the pastor? Right? After we've called, after we've emailed, after we've said come and see and visit and, vi and do and this, then who is that that then pours back into them? And there's just this depletion that's happening. Folks are burned out. Now, some of that is because they can't let go, right? Don't know how to take breaks. Don't know how to share the pulpit. Don't know how to ease back and take time for themselves, right? But in other cases, it's because of, let's be frank, because of us. Now, look, I, I'm not out to offend, but I am out to convict, the difference is offense is I just want you to stop talking about that, Charles. Conviction is, man, maybe there's something I need to do different because of that, Charles. 
Now look, if, you know, find yourself in the sermon. If you're in a good place, then continue doing good. Continuing uh, uh, modeling the behavior that we're going to talk about here in a little bit. But if you're in a different place, then ask yourself why. Lord, what is it that I need to be doing? How do I need to move in a different direction, in a better direction, so that I can make sure that I am, and this is what I'm hoping to show you, being obedient to the Word of God as it pertains to honoring the pastor. So let's get into this. 1 Timothy 5 and 17. This is a familiar verse. We've heard it before. It says that the elders who rule well are to be considered worthy of double honor, especially those who work hard at preaching and teaching. Paul here is inspired by the Holy Spirit, of course, and he writes this first letter to Timothy. Now, Timothy is a young preacher of the church in Ephesus, and Paul is giving him some instructions on how to organize and how to structure and how to run the church in Ephesus. Paul covers several topics. It's really some good practical kind of church doctrine, so to speak, when you read through 1 and 2 Timothy and also Titus. Those are the pastoral epistles that Paul has written to those that kind of came up underneath him and now are running churches in the land. And he encourages him, Paul to Timothy that is, to continue teaching the church. Time out right there. You would think that that would go without saying. If you are a pastor of a church, why should I have to encourage you to continue teaching the church? Well, it's because, unfortunately, we see it today that a lot of times folks in this position, in this place, are not teaching folks. Oh, don't get me wrong. They're getting up every Sunday at the right hour, and they've got some notes, and they're saying some things. But they're not teaching what thus saith the Lord. And so Paul's encouragement to Timothy, even as a young pastor in Ephesus, is to continue teaching the church. He tells him also to pray for everyone, especially those who hold positions of power. And he talks about the characteristics of a pastor, of an elder, the qualities of deacons and how our seasoned saints should relate to our younger saints and how our younger saints should also relate to our seasoned saints. If you haven't read Timothy, I'm telling you, there's something in there for everybody. Hmm. <laughs> And here in the 17th verse of the 5th chapter, Paul puts his focus on a specific group, elders. Now, when he mentions elders, right, he's not talking about grandmama and granddaddy. He's not talking about uncle brother and papa and nana. But he's talking about those who qualify, right, who qualify as a group that perform a particular function within the church, He's talking about those who rule and who preside over the church. Now, to be clear, there may be some elders that are seasoned saints, but every seasoned saint won't be an elder. Now, Paul describes to us in 1 Timothy 3, a few chapters back, the qualifications of an overseer. 
They have to be above reproach, Paul says. They have to be the husband of one wife, temperate, prudent, not given to wine, able to teach. They must be gentle and peaceable, not a lover of money, my Lord. And there are these prerequisites, right, that create and provide the context for an elder, for an overseer to be considered worthy of double honor. <laughs> and someone may be thinking, wait a minute, Charles, wait a minute, Charles. I, 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 I've studied the Bible and in 517, 1 Timothy, he's talking about elders, but in chapter 3, he's talking about overseers. But when he makes that, that, that change in kind of language, there's no distinction. He's really talking about the same thing. A good way to kind of think about it is that an elder uh, is appointed as an overseer to pastor or shepherd a community of believers, right? So in effect, what Paul is saying is, he's saying, look, if you've got some 1 Timothy 3 folks in your congregation presiding over the church, they're taking care of the church spiritually and functionally and administratively, then they are worthy of double honor. But if within that group of folks who preside over the church and are taking care of the church functionally, administratively, and spiritually, some of them are also working hard at preaching and teaching, then they are especially worthy of double honor. Mm -hmm. Sometimes as members, as the congregation, right, we think we're honoring the pastor when we really aren't. Can I walk down this path a little bit? <clears throat> help myself, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to help, help myself on out the door. Yeah. <clears throat> we think, right, because we told pastor, hey, hey, that was an awesome message that I'm honoring the pastor. Because we, uh, we spoke a few nice words to his wife and to his family, I'm honoring the pastor. Because we halfway took some notes during the sermon, I'm honoring the pastor. Because we stayed awake for the entire sermon, that I'm honoring the pastor. <laughs> we almost break our arms trying to pat ourselves on the back about how well we're honoring our pastor. But, 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 <laughs> it begs the question, what does it really mean to honor someone? Well, if you're honoring someone, get this now, you are assigning a fixed value to that person because of the rank or the office or the position that they hold. Hear me. Assigning a fixed value to someone because of the rank or the office or the position that they hold. This brings up two, I think, key points that we need to, to think about a little bit. One is a fixed value. Huh. It means it isn't fickle. It's not variable. It's not sometime. Well, if the pastor would just do this, then I would honor him. But, uh, but since he's deciding to do this, then I'm not going to honor him. Huh. It can't be just because of, of, of whether or not we had the, 
<laughs> we had the picnic in August or not. Whether we did it in this month or that month or put so-and-so in charge or didn't put so-and-so in charge and now all of a sudden I'm giving my honor, I'm taking it back. It's like the hokey pokey. Right? I'm, I'm one minute I'm, I'm in, next minute I'm out. Oh, I must be on to something. It's starting to rain. Thunder about to be in a little bit. <laughs> be careful. It's lightning get to striking. Y'all better, better repent. <laughs> And in the case of the pastor, scripturally speaking, biblically speaking, this fixed value, can I help you out, is not assigned by us. It's assigned by God. God fixes the value on this. Now, let's, let's carve out a little bit of time here just to talk a little bit about this because this may be rubbing some of us the wrong way. The pastor, he's just a man. Yeah, I, I'm not saying that pastor isn't a man. Just like all of us are all fallen men and women. But again, the honor is about the role, the function. So pastor isn't just someone coming in, sitting on the back pew. He's not even just someone coming in and just being vocal in the body, but he's spending time. He's, he's encouraging the, the population, he's the flock. He's, he's spending time praying over the flock. He knows concerns and issues that are existing within the body that some of us are oblivious to. He's carrying those things on our behalf. <laughs> we have no idea how many calls he's getting. All we know is when we call, and he better pick up. We don't know how many people are flowing through his office. We just know that we get an attitude when he says, I'm taking Monday off. What? Because I have a need, right? And again, this isn't to shame you and to guilt you, but... It's to talk about the fixed value that God has placed on this office. Let's push it even further because that's just kind of playing a role that, that's kind of communal and just interpersonal. The pastor is charged with teaching and preaching, not philosophy, not moralistic lessons, but the very word of God. To do two things, to uh, edify the saint and to evangelize the sinner. So through this office, God has deemed it such that folks will come into the kingdom and will grow to maturity in the kingdom through this office. That's why there's some honor on that office. But Jesus also tells us there's also extra judgment on that office. So it's not like it's just all pies and candy and cake for the pastor. But there's also a stricter judgment, Scripture says, for those who are charged with teaching the flock. So the first thing we see is that it's a fixed value. The other thing that we see is that it's based on the position and not the person. Hmm. 
based on the position and not the person. Why do I point that out? Why do I point that out? Don't anybody raise any hands or, or nudge or look sideways, blink or anything, but I point that out because we have a bad habit <laughs> of determining how we're going to respond to a position by who holds that position. Let me just give you a real practical example. Fill in the blank. Blank's not my president. Well, wait a minute. Right? Ooh, I, I can't stand so-and-so, my supervisor, so I'm not going to do my job. What is that? This is why, look, I'm link some things together. This is why Scripture says, work as unto the Lord. Because I know you guys are fickle. Some of the folks you're going to be dealing with are going to be fickle, but the Lord doesn't change. Right? So we see that giving honor to someone or something is assigning this fixed value that's based on their role, their position, on the uh, relationship or, or the, the position that they hold or the office that they hold. And it's not based on the person, but it's based on the position. Now, I do need to make an important distinction here, right? And the distinction is, is that while the pastor is worthy of honor, the pastor is not worthy of worship, There's, there's a distinction. The pastor is worthy of honor, Scripture tells us, but the pastor is not worthy of worship. He isn't untouchable. He isn't unapproachable. He isn't high and lifted up. Some people are giving to their pastor, which should only be reserved for Jesus Christ. Hmm. But with that being said, there is a level of appreciation and gratitude and esteem that is due to the office of pastor. So why did the Spirit of God deem it necessary to articulate this principle through Paul to Timothy, this young pastor in Ephesus, and ultimately to us by the tradition of Scripture? It is because God knows his creation. He knows that we would be inclined to not give the pastor honor. It's in us to not. Look, let me tell you why it's in us. Because most of us do not see the office of pastor as a calling. We see it as a job. Which then makes whatever the pastor does not, man, thank you for sacrificing and doing that. But it makes it, that's what you're supposed to do. You're the pastor. You're supposed to do that. And then when it's supposed to do, now all of a sudden it's transactional. It's not relational. It's not sacrificial. It's not an act of service. That's just what you're supposed to do. And when you cease doing it the way that I want you to do it, then guess what we're going to do? Fire you. But when we see the office as a calling, as a call upon a life then we begin to see the outflowing of that office differently. <laughs> but what is it, though, that makes us, the membership, the congregation, the laity, the body, not show our under-shepherd the honor that they are due? 
And to be clear, right, I'm not talking about those pastors that are mishandling, mistreating, abusing. Push them out, right? Because, look, we have a, a, a bad habit of reaching for the worst possible example, pulling that into the current conversation, and then saying, well, because that might, could possibly one day happen, I'm not going to do anything right now. Let that go. Stop thinking about what you've heard about other pastors and what's happening at someone else's churches and what has ever happened in your past. We're not talking about those that are not worthy, not of honor, of the call. Because remember, the honor goes with the office. So if you've, you've betrayed the call that's upon your life, that's a whole other category. But if you're walking in the calling, if you're being true to what it is that God has called you to do and being faithful to the scriptures and the administration of that, then the honor is due. So what is it that keeps us then from, from giving that honor? When, when we have someone that is spiritually functioning, administratively meeting the needs of the church and working hard at preaching and teaching, as the scripture says, then why wouldn't we give them the honor that's due to them? Well, that's a good question. And I believe, switching now to Mark 6, 1 through 5, we see the answer to that. As you turn there, I'm going to start reading. And this is Jesus that is being described here. It says, Jesus went out from there and came into his hometown. And his disciples followed him. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue. And the many listeners were astonished, saying, Where did this man get these things? And what is this wisdom given to him? And such miracles as these performed by his hands. Is not this the carpenter, the son of Mary, and <laughs> brother of James, and Joseph, and Judas, and Simon? are not his sisters here with us. And they took offense at him. Verse 4, Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and among his own relatives and in his own household. And he could do no miracle or work of power, some translations may say, there except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. My Lord. <laughs> Man. Now some of you may have read that and said, okay, I'm following, I'm tracking with you, minister, right? But uh, it says prophet here. Doesn't say pastor. Doesn't say elder. But the word that Jesus uses for prophet here in the Greek doesn't just include those who by the Spirit are talking about things and declaring things that are yet to occur, but it also means men who were filled with the Spirit of God and by His authority thus plead the case and the cause of God and urge others to salvation. That sounds like a pastor, or at least what a pastor should be doing. So the question still is in front of us, what is it that hinders our honor? And I think that the scripture and Jesus lays it out very clearly. It's important to note that Jesus doesn't say that the prophet and the preacher is without any honor. But it's only in certain situations and circumstances when certain conditions exist that the prophet is without honor. It's when the prophet is in his hometown, around his relatives, and in his household. 
Now, all of these situations have a common thread, and that common thread is a level of familiarity with the preacher. So what am I saying? What I'm saying is, is that you might have heard that and said, well, I'm not from his hometown. I'm not his relative. I'm not in his household. So that, does, that excludes me. Not, 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 uh. The fact that we've been walking with our pastor for a while means we've got a level of familiarity with him. Some of us even more than others because pastor was here at one time left and then came back. So I've, I've got even more familiarity. I remember you when. So yeah, Jesus is talking about some specific categories here, but the common thread is familiarity. And what we want to look at now is how does this familiarity chip away at the honor that the pastor is due? The first thing is we're going to see is, is that that one example about his hometown is the familiarity of having things in common with the pastor, some commonality with the pastor. Sometimes, right, we will withhold honor from the pastor because we've got some common experiences with them. Jesus said that a preacher isn't going to get any honor in his hometown. In other words, around those who grew up with him, who he went to school with, those he may have played in the street with, those he knew from whence he came are going to be reticent to give honor to him. And it's because those who have those common experiences with him think that they know him. Oh, they know his people. You heard them. Isn't this Mary's son? aren't his brothers, right? They ran down the list. They think that they know them, and in their minds, they have set expectations of what he should be doing, what he's capable of doing, why he's doing what he's doing, and what he should be able to accomplish. But look at the text. The people were saying, right, this is Mary and Joseph's son, right? Aren't his brothers even with us today? I, I still have a connection to him that's common. That's every day. And here he is doing uncommon things. Oh, my goodness. How is it now that he stands teaching and preaching with such wisdom? How is it that he now performs these miracles? He's not supposed to be able to do that because he's just a boy from Jersey. Hmm. <laughs> this brings me to my first kind of takeaway, and this is, is that we forget that even though we may have some things in common with our pastor, that he still has an uncommon calling. <laughs> And this calling is able to override whatever he used to be, whatever he used to do, wherever you saw him go, whoever he used to hang out, whoever his people are, wherever his folks are from. The calling of God enables the ordinary man to do extraordinary things. Next, next, sometimes we withhold honor from the pastor because of our connections to him. Jesus also says that a preacher won't get any honor from his relatives. In other words, people who have more than just a casual connection, in passing connection to him. And these connections can be either by blood, they can be cousins, siblings, parents, etc. But they can also be close relations within the body. <laughs> they can be organizational connections, fraternal connections, sports teams, work, etc. And because of these connections, 
we say to ourselves, yeah, I see him up there presiding over the spiritual and the functional and administrative needs of the church and working hard at preaching and teaching, but he'll always be just, oh, Curtis Costin to me. <laughs> and so we withhold honor. We withhold what it is that God says that we are commanded to give to the office. And this brings me very quickly to my second takeaway, and that is that we let these everyday ways that we relate to the pastor supersede the role he now has in our lives. What is that role? What is that role, right? It is that role, like I said earlier, to evangelize and to edify us either for the kingdom or in the kingdom. It can be hard, get this, for a parent to now see their child as the spiritual shepherd over their soul. It can be hard for siblings and family and close friends to see their brother, especially if it was their little brother, <laughs> being the one now giving spiritual counseling and insight into what's happening. John writes in his gospel, right, that even Jesus' brothers didn't believe him when he started out on his ministry. But we have to remember that those connections become secondary to the call of God that is now on the pastor's life. Earlier in Mark 3, Jesus is told that his mother and his brothers are outside looking for him. And Jesus replies, who are my mother and my brothers? Who are they? And he answers it for them. He says, it's everyone who does the will of God. And so Jesus even there shows that these past familial connections and familiarity, commonality, connections that people had take a secondary role to this office of pastor, of elder, of overseer. Lastly, and very quickly, the last reason why we withhold honor from our pastors is because we've got a certain level of comfort with them. And this is a difficult one. This is a tightrope because you want a pastor that's personable. You want a pastor that's approachable, that, that you can talk to, that, can, 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 um, that you can laugh with, that you can enjoy those kinds of things. We, you want that, but there's also uh, uh, a downside to that, that if we're not careful, it's a trap that we can fall into because Jesus says that a preacher won't get honor from those in his own household. And, and, and this, is, this is tough sometimes. Because, right, immediate family and very close friends, people who get to see the pastor 24-7 maybe, who, who, who are able to, to be around pastor and he can let his, <laughs> what used to be, his hair down. <laughs> he can move through, right? He can be himself around these folks. Uh, he can loosen his tie and take off his, his, his jacket, his suit, right? Lo loosen his, his collar. But those who get to interact with him outside sometimes of this arena can fall into the trap of withholding honor from pastor. And this is because, right, complete exposure sometimes demystifies the office, right? When you only interact with pastor on Sundays and he preaches and he teaches and then you don't see him again until next Sunday, you can hold an image in your mind of him of whatever you want. 
however you want. But when you get closer to him, and you get to know him, you find out what some of his fears are, some of his hopes and dreams, and some of the things that he uh, wanted to do in life and wasn't able to do, and you laugh, and all these kinds of things, now all of a sudden, you get this place of comfortability with pastor. Right? But then there's something else that happens. The closer you get to the pastor, you begin to see his own Christian journey. Huh. You begin to see, right, the ups and the downs, the victories and the setbacks, the failings, the shortcomings. And because those that are very, very close get inside the circle, so to speak, get to see the sanctification of even our pastor up close and personal, we can run the risk of not honoring him in the role that God has called him to. Do you understand what's happening there, right? And sometimes, right, we let the man overshadow the office. And what we have to remember is that God has assigned the value to the office. I keep stressing that. And the pastor has been called to occupy the office, not perfectly, but consistently. And while yet, all the while, get this now, while God is still forming him into the image of Jesus Christ, just let that sink in. Most of us, right, are going through that sanctification process not on display, not in relation with everybody in the congregation, maybe a little bit on your job, definitely within your family, but it's on a controlled level. But the pastor, the one who occupies this space, is being sanctified even while they are yet urging us to be sanctified. There's ups and downs, there's ebbs and there's flows. And when we get close and we see that, right, it can cause us to withhold honor from them. Oh, yeah, you're struggling with that just like I'm struggling with that. You, you slipped up just like I slipped up. You got angry just like I get. You see what I'm saying? And all of a sudden, I start thinking about, man, Pastor, you. <laughs> Not all of you I thought you were dangerous because any of us in that position if the tide was turned if someone just had 24-7 access to your sanctification process I'd wager to say hmm not many of us are the people we thought we were why is this so important why is it so important that we honor our pastor one, it acknowledges the call of God on his life. Like I said, this isn't about how we feel or, or whether we voted on it, but it honors the call of God on his life. It also acknowledges the sacrifices, the family, the career, the personal. Like I said before, being a pastor is, is not, it should not be a job. It's a calling. Pastor has mentioned many times before that he thought he was going to be rich one day in the financial world, right? <laughs> How's that working out for you, right? Yeah. <laughs> it also acknowledges the suffering and the pain. 
the hurt that's experienced, the isolation, the relationships that will inevitably be broken. How do you say that? Well, you say, wait a minute, how do you say that? Look, when, you're, when your role within a body of believers is to admonish people to stay away from sin, to address sin that's in people's lives, to confront it, to not let it persist even within the body, to take stands that may be unpopular because of what the Word of God says, relationships inevitably will be broken. Right? Why else do we uh, not want to withhold her? It's so that what God wants to do through him won't be hindered. I think this is a little part of what Jesus says that I think is an interesting tidbit. Go back to the text, Mark 6 and verse 5. It says, and he, Jesus, could do no miracle except that he laid his hands on a few sick people and healed them. Now, don't get me wrong. To our hearing, that sounds like miracles. He healed some folks. What's written that's not said, so to speak, or what's said that's not written is that he wanted to do more. There was more that he wanted to do. And why not? It's his hometown. It's the folks that he had a connection with. It's the folks that he had those shared experiences with. Why not? Why didn't he wanted to bless those who were a part of his coming up? And it says that he was not able to do mighty works of power except for a few healings here and there. Lastly, honoring the pastor honors God. Honoring the pastor honors God, and, and honoring God honors the pastor. If you're wondering, well, how do I get to honoring the pastor? You honor God. When I honor the pastor, I'm showing God that his word matters to me. And when I'm honoring God, I show the pastor that his labor and his sacrifice has not been in vain. Hmm. So in conclusion, as the membership, right, we have to be mindful that oftentimes the very things that draw us to our pastor, having things in common with them, having a connection to him, being very comfortable with and around them, can be also the very things that may lead us to withhold honor from them. Now you may be thinking <laughs> that this is a good kind of message or reminder or whatever you may be thinking. You might not even be thinking that. But you may be thinking, how does this even relate to the gospel? How does this even cross over into the message of Jesus Christ? Well, keep in mind, of course, that the text has Jesus as the subject. Jesus is the prophet who was not being honored. He's the one who, because folks had some things in common with him, and because they had a connection to him and had a level of comfortability with him and around him, they took him for granted. Similarly, some of us here today may be taking Jesus for granted. Because we feel like, uh, because we're trying to be a good person and treat people right, that we've got something in common with Jesus. Because, you know, Jesus was all about being a good person and treating people right. And we feel like because we know how to speak Christianese, we know what to say when we're in church and what not to say, that we've got a connection to him because I was raised in the church. And because we go to church and listen to gospel music on Sundays, we feel like we've got a level of comfort with him. Oh, he knows my heart. Huh. But if you haven't acknowledged your sins before him, 
Hmm. If you haven't looked to him for your forgiveness and for your redemption, if you haven't bowed the knee before him as your Lord and as your Savior, then guess what? You aren't honoring him. You're withholding from him all that is due. The song says, hallelujah, salvation and glory, honor and power unto the Lord our God. That is what's due to him. So on this morning, as you contemplate, hey, have I been letting some honor slip and slide through as it regards our pastor? Look, tomorrow is his birthday. And like I said, pastor would never, ever preach a message like this. Actually, the fact that he would not preach a message like this lets you know he's worthy of honor. There's some pastors that will preach a message about themselves, about this. <laughs> Talking about what you should be doing for me and how you should be me and all that good stuff. So I challenge us definitely to make sure that we are asking the Lord, how can I honor my pastor? If I'm, if I'm already doing the things that the Lord places on your heart, then I encourage you to continue doing those things. But if you aren't, I challenge you to start doing those things. Part of the problem, look, we're all in the culture. This is not about you. This is about me. We live in a, in a consumeristic culture where everything is about what am I getting from it? What did I get from service? What do I get from this? Did the songs move me? Did I enjoy the prayer? Is the sermon good for me? Ah, blah, blah. And then we'll even get out on the parking lot and say, mm, church, this didn't do it for me today. Huh. That's what kind of feeds into withholding honor. Not just from pastor, but also from God, because I heard a story told that a pastor was, was standing and shaking hands as people were leaving, and he asked, you know, how was service, how was service? And the lady said, well, uh, it just didn't do anything for me. And the pastor said, well, it's a good thing that it wasn't for you. But this is for God. This is about God. But because everything that we have is about me, and how I consume it, and whether or not it meets my needs, and whether or not <clears throat> um, I'm feeling affirmed and, and, and good about myself because of my experience there, then we bring that into every other aspect of our life. You've been listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast, and we trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at solidword.org. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you next week.